Hey guys, Nick here. Just heads up, there's some mature language in this episode. Wanted to give you a fair warning. All right, let's get to it. Hey, welcome to Minor Details. I'm Nick. And I'm Michael. And we have a very special guest today, Michael DeTulo. He's flown all the way from San Diego to New York. Not for us, for, for another event, the Course Amy Sam Conference, but we snagged him today. Um, James is actually on vacation, so I'm doing this one solo, and uh, I'm sure that Michael will be more than uh, more than uh, qualified to fill James's spot for this episode. I'll pitch in. Uh, and uh, we'll try to add in some comedic relief, because we'll miss that from James. But uh, Michael, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I, uh, I, I, I could take a whole hour introing you of all the things you've done, but I just wanted to say that you've you have over 20 years experience working for some awesome brands: Nike, Jordan, Converse, Frog. Uh, you've designed vehicles, and you were the chief design officer of a speaker company, Sound United. Um, you are like very active in the design community you've done like a ton of talks you've gone to schools you've uh you're always posting sketches on instagram yeah you made a book you i could go on and on Um, i like what we do (laughs) you you love design and you actually also just started your own design studio Mm -hmm. so we got a lot to talk about i got a lot of questions hopefully we'll get to them all um but you guys are in for a treat tonight so uh i think maybe we just start off with a little bit of backstory. I kind of want to know sure. how you started. Like, how, yeah. what what made you aware of industrial design? So, I mean, I came from kind of like a pretty normal middle class family. Um, there were some creative people in the family. There were a lot of musicians. Um, my one uncle uh, went to art school with my my mom's younger brother. And we lived with him and my grandfather for a short period while, um, while I was growing up. So like I was learning how to draw in perspective when I was in like the third grade. Um, and so for me, the things that I liked to draw were just what I would call the things of the future. Um, and this would be like a, a nerdy or super nerdy story. But like when I was I was a latchkey kid, like a lot of kids in the 80s and I would come home from school and I would, you know, turn on DuckTales or whatever, and uh, I would go get the Sears catalog. And for those of you that are too young to know what the Sears catalog was, it was basically Amazon, but a book (laughs) that came once a year. It's a big ass catalog. And I would open it to a random page and it's like, okay, it was power drills. And then I would try to imagine what the future of power drills would be like and draw that are you this was when you were how old oh, i was probably like 11 12 years old and you didn't know what industrial sign was no fucking clue you and you were just opening up a book and sketching power like and just designing stuff yeah you, you know you were doing it without even knowing what you were yeah doing. if crazy. instagram had existed i've been probably a famous kid <laughs> but but uh it didn't exist uh so and so i mean i was very intuitively doing that and then when i was 13 years old my parents asked me, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I want to draw stuff from the future. And I just thought, like, very naturally, it was like, that had to be someone's job. I had a vague awareness, I think, just, you know, probably through uh, popular culture of what an architect was, right? They draw buildings. Right. And I kind of knew what a fashion designer was. They draw clothes. And I was like, there's got to be a person that does all the other things in the world. Right. Um, and a few months later, I remember uh, my father was reading the newspaper, and on the cover of the newspaper was an article about uh, Giorgetto Giugiaro, who designed the DeLorean as well as the first Volkswagen Golf. And there was a bunch of things that he had designed. There was a uh, like a, a super sports car. There was um, a tennis racket, a pair of sunglasses, and pasta. And I was like, that's... And he's, he's like, is this, is this the thing you want to do? And he said, industrial design. I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. Uh, so that year for Christmas, 
I, and and so now I knew what it was called, right? right? And there was no Google. I couldn't Google it. Okay. But I would you know, go to a bookstore and comb through the art and architecture section, um, and I found a book on industrial design. Now I, said, I knew what it was called, right? Uh, and there was a book called Design and Rendering Techniques for Industrial Designers by wow. Dick Powell. Okay. And in that first chapter one of that book was like, here's the stuff you need markers, T square, a triangle, a drawing. T- and I just like made my Christmas list from the book. And that's what I got for Christmas that year. That's crazy. Uh, so I don't know, I was 14. Now I was like 14 at that point. And wow. so that's, I kind of was very lucky. It's a really unusual story for designers. Either they come to it later in life, mm-hmm. or maybe they come to it early in life because they had a parent who's an architect or an engineer. But yeah. I lucked out. Yeah, we've talked to a few guests on the podcast. And, I mean, James and I always are talking to other designers and students. Yeah, people are... It's crazy how not known industrial design is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but... I, I mean, and I think the... the It's a bad thing. But yeah. I think the good thing about it is that those of us who are industrial designers almost always have a great origin story. Mm. And so I collect those origin stories. Right. I often will ask other designers like how what you just asked me right. because it's usually a good story. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And so you you started designing when you were like 11, knew what industrial design was at 14 and then you went to study it, I assume. Yeah, I I I was in math class uh, in ninth grade in geometry and like bored out of my freaking mind. Uh, Mrs. Jacobus was my teacher. I was sitting in the back of the math class, just like furiously drawing something. Um, and I didn't hear Mrs. Jacobus come up kind of around the class. She's lecturing. She comes up kind of behind me and she slapped her hand down on my desk and ripped the, the paper out of the bind, you know, my binder, my trapper keeper and crumpled it up and said, come see me after class. And she you know, threw the crumpled up paper in the trash. And all the kids were like, ooh, <laughs> you're in trouble. And I was, I was in trouble, obviously. So I came up to her after class, and she reached into the trash can. She smoothed the paper out, and she wrote at the top, Rhode Island School of Design. And she said, my brother went to this school for architecture. Uh, she said, you know, there's, again, there's no Google at the time. This is, right. is 1992. Two? Okay. No, nineteen ninety. This would have been nineteen ninety. Uh, she's like, write to them and have them send you a catalog, and never draw in my class again. And uh, I went to school there. So, okay, okay. I always I call these things like uh, moments of kind of optimistic rebellion. Like I wasn't trying to piss Mrs. Jacobus off, but it worked out for me because it like set my my life on I course. It's right? funny how like it's funny how she got upset at you, but also she was guiding you in a way. Right. Which is awesome. But she had to be upset with me for the class. Right, right, right. But, you know. Yeah. So you went to RISD, and did you have any internships, or what was your time like there? Um, it was very stressful in that. So I came into school maybe, like, a little bit more well-read than your average student on what design was. Cause, right, because you've been doing it for, like, right. five years before, yeah. Yeah, and maybe, maybe like, with some skill. Um, and... I loved freshman year of school at RISD. It's like a really like rigorous program. Okay. They're like kick your ass. They're trying to um, like trim out the slackers. And it's good. I loved it because I felt like I mean I was I was really kind of the first um, in generation in, in my immediate family to go to college, and so to go to art school was kind of a big deal, uh, convincing. So were you were your parents upset that you wanted to go to art school? Um, I would say certainly most parents think of their kids going to like engineering, getting a stable job, right. accounting. I I think I was just like, this is what I'm doing. Okay. You know, I was very, like, I always right. been that kind of a person. Okay. okay. A little type A kid. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, um, so freshman year was great. And the more they kicked my ass, the more I was like, oh yeah, like I'm getting my money's worth. You know, that's what, how I looked at it. Like, the easy teachers, I felt like, I'm not getting my money's worth right. out of this. Right. I'm, the product I'm buying is like, mold me, <laughs> right? So, so the sophomore year was the first year of, of design studies uh, for industrial design. And the, there were four teachers. Uh, two were graphic designers, and two had just graduated the grad program. And I was like, I don't think these people know I, what it, they're doing. 
and I like <laughs> I just, yeah I okay. just didn't like I just and okay. I did not respond well I'm starting I, to see a common thread here yeah, yeah I'm kind of a pain in the butt is the common <laughs> thread but I, I and I, now while that was an accurate assessment it turns out I didn't I was only 19 years old and I didn't I didn't respond well to that situation. I just basically stopped coming to class. And then on crit days, I would bring a totally different project. And they would be like, what the fuck is this? And I would be like, this is the project you would have assigned if you knew what the hell you were doing. <laughs> but you don't. Oh, so, wow. All right. so, so they put me on academic probation. And they Dang. asked me to leave the school. Well, um, you, you, let, you had to leave RISD? No, no, I didn't. They asked me to. Oh, OK. <laughs> um, and I was pretty fed up. I flew out to Art Center. They told me, they're like, just go to Art Center. And you're like Art Center kid. Um, and I flew out to Art Center. And I mean, I'm from this area. So I was like, man, that's like really far. And LA is like, oh my God, that's like not what I know. Um, and I didn't like, I met with the head of the department at Art Center, who was uh, their transportation program at the time was Ron Hill. And he was like, yeah, you're going to get in. Um, but he, there was a kind of an attitude there. He's like, yeah, you can be a designer if you go to RISD, but if you want to be a real designer, you'll go here. Oh, and to that, I was oh. like, fuck you, I'll be a real designer wherever I go. <laughs> and and I had also just met this girl who uh, I would later become my wife. So okay. uh, so it was a good thing. You know, I didn't leave. I went back to RISD, determined to stay. Um, we, wor- we worked out a plan okay. uh, that, that took, a, took some convincing. Um, it didn't. It wasn't smooth at first. It was a lot of yelling matches. Oh boy! Uh, involved me like actually crying because I'm like 19 years old and the head of the department is telling me to leave, uh, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just kind of like following my gut for some stupid reason or a good reason, but I didn't know. Uh, and then we basically worked out basically two years of um, somewhat independent studies. So I did um, a, a project sponsored by Nike. I did a project sponsored by Nissan. Um, I did, um, I did a semester at Cleveland Institute of Art where I did a project sponsored by Chrysler. Um, and I spent, uh, some time studying in, in Italy, uh, in a program. Ooh, so, okay. Study abroad. so, so it was a great, it turned out to be a freaking awesome education. Yeah. Sophomore year was rough, but the rest of it, I ended up graduating with the faculty award. So however that plots out. Okay. Well, um, it definitely turned around then. Yeah. And, and I was, I was, uh, happy you know, with myself, I guess, or where, where, where I ended up in terms of the education I got. And it certainly, like, benefited me later in life. I feel like the skills, um, what I got from RISD and why I wanted to stay was I got maybe a little bit of a different way of thinking. Uh, I was already kind of like a very, let's say, a very commercial designer. Okay. I've always been, I'm not really interested in making, like, arty things that you only make five of and you lose money on. Right. I right. want to make things that like impact people's lives and that they enjoy Yeah, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so I had that kind of commercial mindedness. Um, but I think what I got from RISD was maybe a little bit more critical thinking. Okay. That's cool. And after RISD, I know you've been in the footwear thing for, for a bit. Mm-hmm. Did, was that straight after school or was, was there in between? Okay. Oh, yeah. That's a story there actually. Okay. Uh, so I did the project for Nike, right? It was um, it finished like a couple of months before I graduated. I, I actually got to fly out to Nike a couple times, um, and it was me and two classmates got the sponsorship. And uh, John, who was at the conference actually yesterday, I don't know if you met him, okay. John DePonte, and we just had an amazing experience. Like we hadn't, you know, none of us had really been to the West Coast very much, and Nike was awesome, um, and our kind of executive sponsor at Nike was the design director of footwear at the time, Dave Scannone, um, who was an amazing designer. And when I got back from our last presentation, I had an email from Dave and was like, you know what? You did a great job, Michael. A lot of people think you did a great job and we think you should work here. And my, my project, I had a three shoe collection and it was like the anti-Nike collection. It was like no logos. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and it was all designed around. So this is 1998. Okay. And it was all designed around alternative sports. Uh, so it was like a BMX shoe, a skate shoe, and kind of like a trail runner. Um, and and uh, it was kind of like somewhat sportswear, somewhat ACG, somewhat Nike skate, but before all that stuff. Okay. 
And I was an idiot. I was like, thanks, Dave, for your email. I really liked you guys, too. But now I'm doing the sponsored project for Nissan, and I have two months before I graduate. Can I email you when I graduate? And he emailed me a really nice email back. He's like, yeah, no problem. Let okay. me know. I'm sure he was like, what an idiot. You know, I would have, you know. Um, so I graduate. I do the Nissan project, which also goes pretty well. Uh, they didn't offer me a job. So I, I was like, I hit well, let me go to my plan B. <laughs> hey, Dave, how's it going? Like, has that job still out? Michael, we actually had a terrible quarter and there's a hiring freeze. And I was like, um, I don't know, what's a hiring freeze? Uh, right. He's like, we can't hire anybody for the rest of the year. I'm like, it's June. I need to do it. I get a job now. I can't wait till January. Right. Um, and it actually led to probably some of the worst six months of my life. Uh, I you know, had moved back home. Uh, which was terrible, and I didn't have a job, and I didn't really know how to get a job. Like Coraflot didn't really exist; it was just a text-only mess, like job posting board. It was like Craigslist at the time. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, it's a different world, man. There was no portfolio hosting anywhere. This didn't exist. Huh. Um, so, I I started applying to like some freelance gigs on Coraflot. At least had a few freelance gigs, kind of get me through, and they're on site, um, and. I I wasn't getting a lot of respo- positive response on my portfolio. So I just kept working my portfolio like eight hours a day. So the weeks that I wasn't freelancing, my parents had like a ping pong table in the basement. And I set that up as my studio and I'd work on my portfolio eight hours a day. And then Friday I'd put together portfolio books and mail them out. Were you redoing past projects yeah. or were you creating new projects? Um, both. Okay. It was just like, because I could go freelance at a place and I'd be like, oh, okay, this is the level. Boom, just redo all project. Oh, wow. Okay. And then, because that's what I'd, I always look at is like people are like, oh, you shouldn't redo projects because it's, it's not honest to the process. So like, I look at it as like when a, some student shows me their project and I'm like, why'd you do this? And they're like, well, I wouldn't do that now. I'm like, why are you showing me that then? Show me what you would do now. <laughs> right, right, That's right. who I'm hiring. That's true. That's <laughs> Not true. hiring the guy two years ago. I don't care. No, that's good advice. Um, so anyway, then I, I finally started getting some callbacks. Um, I, I remember I got a callback from like Smart Design, Continuum, and this little design firm in Connecticut called Evo. I just started the year before. And I just had a good feeling. I just, you know, I met with the partners. The junior partner was only eight years older than me. And I just felt like I would have, I was going to, I was, I would have been the fifth hire. And I was like, I'm going to get a lot of personal attention and mm-hmm. I'm going to learn a lot. As, not, po- as opposed to other companies. Yeah. I'm not just going to be like one of a right. million fresh grads in okay. that company. Right. Um, and so I, they, they made me an offer on the spot and I accepted the offer on the spot. Um, and, in a couple of weeks I was working there and that was an awesome experience because they were really small and there, I think there are maybe 15 people probably bigger now they have a few locations but anyway um, we were doing work for Hasbro we were doing work for Bose we were doing work for like big companies and Bert, a lot of work for Burton um, and one night I, I was there working late it was like 7 or 8pm and I was the last one in the studio and a phone rings and I pick it up. I'm like, hey, this is Michael, Evo Design. And he's like, hey, Michael, this is Dave Scannoni from Nike. I want to do a project with you guys. I was like, oh, hey, Dave, I was that idiot that turned your job down like two years ago. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, that's funny. Let's do project. And so at that time, Dave was running a group called the Explorer Group, um, which is kind of like there's the Innovation Kitchen. But then like at the time, it's all different now. But even further out, there was a group called Explorer. And we ended up doing like five or six projects for them. And they would just be like these random words. Like Dave would be like, foot pod, go. And we're like, what does that mean? I don't know. You tell me. And so huh, we were doing, okay. I, I remember doing these things like, what if the shoe was knit? Right. And it was knit. And then there was just rubber on the bottom. Oh. And then like, that's like, it would yeah, lead you're... to like 15 years of development. <laughs> uh, what, if the, what if I was doing a bunch of watches at the time? Timex is a big client. Um, and I was like, what if the bottom of the shoe flexed like a watch band, like a metal links? Oh. And they're like, well, we can't do that, but we could put these knives in the mold and then you get these deep grooves and then we call it Nike free. Um, so, so you predicted all, did you design these or you just They were like, concepts, you know, like con- we would conceptually. Did, yeah. And, and cause some, these are, I mean, you have the, the fly knit and, mm-hmm. and these shoes, like the, the one where it's like 
the knife in the mold. That's Nike free. Yeah. Nike free, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and then several years. So this is this is the path, right? You, right. you asked me how I started working at Nike. Right. So I was at Evo for four years, and I, I wanted to go corporate. So I, I had like a small consultancy experience, which was amazing. Got to work on everything. Got to be part of pitches. Got to present to clients because in a five-person consultancy, like everybody's doing everything. Right. Um, I knew I wanted to go corporate because I wanted to know what was happening on the other side of the wall. Like why why did projects come out like totally mutilated or not at all? And, right. Right. Um, and I wanted to work for a big. I worked for a small consultancy. I want to go work for a big brand. So. Um, I didn't want to call up Nike though, because they're a client, right? And I'm like, oh, that doesn't like that doesn't seem very ethically cool. Um, and I was interviewing some other companies. I interviewed at like Adidas and and, and Nike has happened to email me, and I, I had offers from like three or four other footwear companies when they emailed me, and so I just told all those other companies like, oh, I need to like I'm still interviewing. Um, I need to put hold on your offers. I flew out to Nike. I interviewed Nike's like notorious for taking forever to decide to hire somebody. And I was just like, look, I have offers from three of your competitors. So you need to decide in 48 hours if you want to hire me. I had offers from, and it was cool because I went into like the Dave Scannoni's office and there was all my work was still up from two years ago. Like, let's do this one next and this and that and explore this. And uh, I had offers from three different groups at Nike and sportswear was a new group at the time. So for 30 years, the company at that time, the company had been making shoes only for particular activities. And this new group had formed that was about making shoes for the rest of the day, right? So instead of for the two hours that you're running or playing basketball, what are you wearing for the other 14 hours of the day that you're in shoes? Um, And I was like, I want to work in that group uh, because... And they're like, why? Like, it's not anything yet. I'm like, that's why. Like, that's what's cool about it. Yeah. I can help figure out what that is. Yeah, it's a big opportunity to form that entire brand. Yeah. I thought I'd be there for like, I'll I'll just go and like learn what's going on on the corporate side. I'll learn like about going to factories and making stuff. I'll learn about marketing and how that works. And I was like, I'll be there for like two, maybe three years tops. And I just loved it. Um, I almost thought I would never leave at one point. Um, And I, I ended up being there for about eight years. Wow. Okay. And now I remember, I believe, at, so I have seen you talk a couple times, and we actually officially met like last yesterday at yes. the the conference. We but, shook hands. Right. We shook hands for the first time. Yeah. We've seen each other in passing before, mm-hmm. but um, I remember the talk at I believe the first Square One conference where did you talk about how you like walked into a Nike meeting and was like. I, I want this job, or or maybe you were trying to switch over to Jordans. Yeah, uh, I want to hear I, that story because I feel like that was a good story. So I, w- I was in sportswear for like two years, maybe, and um, I just was like, I, I I was at Nike for like one year, and I went through like an emotional slump, to be honest, because I went from a five person firm where like everything I did was like business critical to Nike, where at the time there was 350 designers. Now there's like 900. What, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. in all across disciplines, but okay. yes. And so I started I started to go through a like, what if I didn't come to work today? What if I didn't come to work this month? Would it even matter? Would anybody notice, you know? And so I went through this emotional slump, um, which led to me kind of reaching out to the VP of design, who was like my boss's boss's boss, and just being like, can I have lunch with you? Like, I'm going through some stuff. Could I have lunch? And he was like, yeah, let's okay. have lunch. And he's like, you know, no one has ever, at, no staff designer has ever asked me to just have lunch. Hmm. This is awesome. And he's like, let's have lunch every month. And so he started, like, just coaching me, mentoring me, like, what's your vision for yourself? Like, where do you want to go? And, you know, I don't really, the ironic, I hate sports. I not hate them, but, like, they don't do anything for me. Okay. Um, like, watching them. Okay. Uh like, I'd rather go for a run or do something, but I can't, like, I don't know. Just you don't like, want to sit back and watch a game of football. Yeah, I'd be right. like, I should do stuff. Right, right. <laughs> That's right, kind right. of what I yeah. get out of it. But anyway, um, so, you know, John was like, oh, what does Nike mean to you? Like, why do you want to, why, why, why does the brand connect with you? Because it does. And I sat back and I was like, oh, for me, Nike equals sport, but sport 
equals the celebration of human achievement. Really, that's all any sport is, right? It's right. celebrating, hey, this team did something really cool, right. and we celebrate them. And guess next season, everybody gets to start all over again. Uh-huh. Um, and so I made a video about that because I, I can't explain things. I had to like make a visual thing and show that to John. And John was like, let's show that to Wyden Kennedy. And like, like oh, now I'm in the room with like the ad agency for Nike and like talking about campaigns. And so and then I had this thing of like, okay, like if this whole brand is about human achievement, who has who is the person that represents that? Well, that's Michael Jordan, right? Right. right. And so then I went to John. I was like, I'm gonna go work in Jordan, John. And he was like, You have been here like 18 months, and there are people that have been here 20 years who want to work in Jordan. There's only been 12 designers ever in the history of that brand at that time who have worked in it. He's like, but go talk to Dwayne, who's the design director and uh, Dwayne Edwards, who founded Pencil Academy, okay. and you see what he says. So I, I, so I talked to Dwayne, hey, Dwayne, my name's Michael, but I, like, I know who you are. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't, uh, and, and I was like, I really want to work for you, and I know you have an open slot because so-and-so just left a group, so like, give me a shot. And he was like, well, a lot of people want that shot, Michael, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you a project. And if you want to work for me, do that project in your own time. I was like, awesome. He's like, really? I'm like, worst thing that comes out of it is I got to design a Jordan. You right, know, like, right. So on the weekends, I'm just, you know, working weekends to, I'm doing my work and then designing this conceptual project for Jordan. And I showed it to Dwayne. And Dwayne was like, I really like it. Let's show it to Mark Parker. Uh, so it was like a quarterly design review okay. at the time that Mark would sit in. I don't. It was and, and Mark is the he's now the CEO. Okay. Uh, at the time, I think he was president. Um, it was like Mark Parker, uh, Eric Sprunk, and John Hoke, who was the head of design. Okay. So these are the big wigs. Yeah, big wigs. Okay. Yeah. Every and every designer has to kind of go through this. Um, I think it's once a quarter, or maybe three times a year. And so I had presented for Sportswear the day before because it's like a four day event. Um, and then the next day I come in with Jordan and they're like, Michael, what are you doing here? I'm like, I did an extra project for Dwayne. And they're like, really? I'm like, I was like, why not? Why wouldn't I? He asked me to. And uh, we presented the project. It went well. And Dwayne was like, good job. You got the job. Wow. So, and that, that led to being in Jordan, which was amazing. You know, was a, uh, and what was cool about Jordan was like, it was the only, uh, at the time, uh, business unit integrated group. So, at the time, it was everything was um, divided by discipline. So all the footwear designers sat together. All the apparel designers sat in a different building. Uh, all the okay. all the footwear developers sat over here. All the footwear pro- product line managers sat over there, which was great because you got this awesome center of excellence around design. Like you could see what all the other designers were doing, but maybe the communication wasn't the best between the business unit components right whereas jordan i was sitting next to you know i was two two or three of us in footwear design and i was sitting next to three apparel designers and the marketing guys and the engineering guys were all together and so that was great because i could be like go to the apparel guys i'm like i want to do some stuff so like i was doing like little zipper pulls for them and bags and the brand team was like hey every year we redo the jordan Word mark. I was like, I want to do that one year. And they're like, okay, sure. Even nobody turns down free work, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael, I kind of feel like, is it? I, I imagine you just like walking around Nike, just walking over to everyone's desk and be like, hey, can I, can I just design stuff for you? And yeah, that's what I was doing. I mean, I was like, I just wanted, to, like, I mean, and I had just, before I worked at Nike, I had designed like forty watches that went to production, and there was a whole timing group at the time. Forty Nike watches? No, no, for Timex at most. Oh, yeah. Timex. Okay. Yeah, and so. I was like, I remember I asked my boss, I'm like, hey, where do the watch guys sit? And he's like, oh, they sit in a different building, Ken Griffey, on the fourth floor. So I just walked over there. I'm like, hey, are you the watch guys? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, can I design a watch too? They're like, sure, okay. You know, that's awesome. I mean, I think it's like, you'd be surprised like how far enthusiasm will get you in life, you know? <laughs> like yeah. a little a little positive intention, a little enthusiasm, the will to buy someone a coffee. Right. Goes a long way. No, that's that's so cool. It's I feel like what, what's the cliche? Like most of it's just showing up or something. Yeah, like ninety percent of the work is just showing up. Yeah, but um, I, yeah, that's that's really crazy that you can just you just got, you got first of all you worked in Nike and then, not even two years you got promoted to being in Jordans, which is crazy. Which is cool. I don't know. And working with I got to work with Michael Jordan. I mean, it was 
So you got to shake his hand? You got to spend a lot of time with him. That's cool. Yeah. I remember the first meeting I was ever in with him, my boss was designing, the, uh, was presenting a Jordan 21 that he was the lead on, a few of us had worked on, and um, and he Michael just asked like five questions like so fast that like we had not thought of like we had, um Dwayne had put the the emblem of his uh, fraternity on the bottom on one of the cushioning pods on the bottom just oh, just was a cool detail okay um and Michael was like why'd you put my fraternity symbol on the bottom and you know Dwayne's like hey we not a lot of people know that you were in this fraternity and we right. got to be this cool little like wink wink nod nod and he's like okay okay he's like well did you ever think of the fact that there's five black fraternities and we put one of their symbols on here and now like the other four black fraternities are not going to buy this shoe? And we're like, I mm, haven't really thought about that. Oh. He's like, isn't our biggest audience like the suburban white kid? And he he doesn't know what that is. They're like, yeah, that's true. And he's like, and I believe you guys are telling me that our biggest growth opportunity is in Asia. So what does this have to do with what's going on in Asia? And we're like, oh, nothing. And he's like, and did you ever stop to think the fact that fact that you put it in the traction on the bottom maybe they would interpret it as an insult yeah <laughs> and we're like no he's like yeah take it the fuck off the shoe <laughs> oh man <laughs> but that's how like he he was just like like a multi-dimensional thinker right um and so cool and uh i remember a few months later my boss was invited to spend the weekend with michael he sponsored this uh like a motorcycle racing team like super bike racing team there's this race out in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, called I think it's called Mid Ohio Track. It's like two hours from Akron or something. Like it's like no nothing around it. And my boss couldn't go. He had a family commitment, and he was like, "Hey, do you want to go, Michael?" I'm like, oh, "Fucking man. three days with Michael Jordan and motorcycles." People pay like millions of dollars. Yeah, for I'm like fuck yeah, I want to go to that. And he's like, "Now remember how Michael was in the meeting." He's like, "Don't kiss his ass. Don't say anything stupid." Like those are the two rules. And I'm like, "Okay, I could do it." I'm pretty sure I'm going to at least try to do it. And um, so I get out to mid Ohio track and it's pouring rain. Like, I mean, just like that kind of like Midwest where it's just going to rain for days. Right. It rained the whole three days. Um, and there's only one like VIP box. Cause this is like, it's not a lot going on there. I go into the VIP box. There's kind of like a round, big round table and Michael and like, you know, eight of his like boys, like his oldest friends are just sitting there with like red solo cups and like one of those really big bottles of Grey Goose. And it's it's like maybe 11 in the morning and it's like into the bottle because there's nothing else to do. Right. They're just like, we're here and there's nothing going on. And I walk in and I'm carrying this like I have a prototype laptop bag that I designed this uh, that has the bottom of the Air Jordan three on it. That has on a whole it started as a joke where somebody gave me a pair of mike's shoes that he had actually worn uh and it was a jordan 3 and my buddy was like you could put a pair of laptops i could put a laptop in those things and so i just drew it and the marketing guy took my drawing and showed it to to Foot Locker, and they're like we'll take a hundred thousand of those um wow so i had the very first stitched up test okay and I, I walk in mike looks up and he comes over and he's like oh you're michael right you're the new designer I remember, it's just like Dude, smart. He's just, you know, yeah. I don't, I was just blown away that he remembered me. And he's like, tell me about that bag. I haven't seen that bag. I, I told him that story. I just told you. And he was like, I love it. I love it. I love the way creative minds think. He's like, so, you know, I get the first one, everything, right? I'm like, yep, you do. <laughs> so did you have to give it to him? <laughs> you, I, you do. This is a prototype. It's pretty fucked up. Like, let me get you one, like the first real one. Right. And he's like, but I want that one. <laughs> and I was like, I was remember my boss. I remember my boss said, don't kiss up. He doesn't like it when he gets, he wants you to treat him as a, a peer. Right. And I was like, Mike, like, this one's got my stuff in it. It's raining out there. Yeah. I'll get you one. Yeah. And he looks at me and he's like, so I can't have the fucking bag that has my fucking name on it. Oh, and I was like, no. Uh, no, I guess not at this point. Oh I can't, my like, gosh. <laughs> I can't capitulate now. Um, and he was just like, unbelievable. And he like walks over to the table. And I was like, I fucked up. I messed up already. It's like 30 seconds in. I goes back to the table with his friends. He just tells them the story of what just happened. And I'm, by the way, 10 feet away, right. just standing there. Right. And then they start dying laughing. And then he's like, you get up. And he gets a fresh solo cup. And he's like, Mike, come over here. You're drinking with me this weekend. There's nothing that's going to rain all weekend. And so that whole weekend, all I did was draw shoes and drink with Mike. And I came back. I was like, oh, Mike said we can make these shoes. 
Wow. <laughs> like, these are approved. <laughs> so uh, it was amazing I feel like experience. you're... I, I love these stories because you're always, like, rebelling, but you rebel so well that it's it turns into something great, which is crazy. I, <laughs> I don't mean anything by it. You know, it's like, I'm just trying to, like... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Huh. It's just, like, font. No. I, I just... I love I, these stories. These are great. And so I, I worked with him a bit... Um, I worked with Carmelo a little bit. I worked with Derek Jeter a little bit. And then um, when I went to Converse, when Nike bought Converse, um, I went and was one of the design directors at Converse, and I worked with Dwayne Wade for the short time we had him at Converse. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. I mean, really, like, even though I think the athletes really like that I don't watch sports at all, they thought it was hilarious. And they probably maybe were happy to work with someone that wasn't kissing their butt. Right. right. And I was just trying to figure out, like, what do you need? Like, these guys, like... Like, when Michael would play in a pair of sneakers for two hours, it was done. The thing was just shredded. And, you know, it's like you're getting to build tools for them. These are, like, tools for their job. And yeah. if you mess up, if the traction's not good enough, if the support's not good enough, they could hurt themselves and it could ruin their careers. Right. So they're critical and, like, rightfully so. It is. Inter- it's interesting to think of it in that way because I think a lot of people think about shoe design you know, when you think about Jordans or Yeezys or any of these, you know, really high-end brands or, you know, popular brands, it's, they think of it as like a marketing, like, oh, every kid's going to want these shoes. But you're thinking of it as these shoes were actually designed for the player themselves and like mm-hmm. trying to make it be the best shoe possible. I, I mean, I, I got to work a lot with um, Tinker, which was awesome. And he's trained as an architect. And so... He really, he told me he really approached working with Michael like he was his architect. And Hmm. he's like, how can I, he's like, build this house for you that's going to work the way you need it. And it just happened to be a shoe. Right. Um, And so, and and there's two sides to that. Some of that is the story side and some of that is the function side. And they have to be, to me, they need to be the same thing. And and so, I would always put little um, as as I remember I, I would do these little things in the shoes. Like sometimes at the base of the iro, the, the throat opening, you'll put a couple purse there because it actually would help the leather flex. And so like I used to love to do things like oh, I'd put like two purse on the left shoe and three purse on the right shoe. And like John, when I present it to Hoke and to Parker, they'd be like, uh, Michael, you fucked up. They got two different numbers right. of purse on there. Right. I'm like, no, I didn't. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, t- what's, what are the numbers of the purse? They're like, well, two and three. And I was like, what's Michael Jordan's number? Like, 23. And I'm like, oh, and like nice. I just love that. Nice. And so John would call him like winks and smiles. And yeah. that I always, he's like, Michael always puts winks and smiles in his stuff. I love so that. that's cool. That's, that's the story part. Yeah. And some of that's for the player, right? Some of that is for like, you know, like for one of Derek Jeter's shoes that I did. His idol, I remember I was talking to him, and I was like, who is your idol when you're coming up? And he was like, oh, I always wanted to be Dave Winfield. And I'm getting the numbers wrong because it's been a while. I think Derek Jeter's number was two, and, like, Dave Winfield's might have been 41. And so on the side of the shoe, I did 41 purse, but two of the purse were a bigger size than the rest. Oh. And and he he was like, why are these two purse bigger than the rest? So I'm like, this is 41 purse, but two are bigger and he's like my numbers and dave winfield's number right right and okay. so it's just so every time he'd put that on he'd feel that right yeah yeah or um I, yeah i love those like small my, details my friend jason did the previous jeter shoe and uh and i remember jeter telling us like hey when you were a kid like what would you do when you weren't playing baseball because a lot of these guys it's like all they do is train when they're kids right and he's like well if i wasn't playing baseball i was playing pac-man and jason did the, the top iro was a circle with a triangle in it, and he's like, we'll put the Pac-Man on. You know, it's just like these little things that nobody's going to know that, right? right? I just like that stuff. Yeah. No, that's great. Now, I mean, that that's a crazy awesome career at, at these footwear companies, but then you went on to go work at Frog? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, that wasn't an easy jump, okay. you know. Um, you know, I really, really loved working at Nike, Um it was awesome. I think uh, I remember. I remember John. I got to present to the board once, and when I was at Converse, and we were trying to really rebirth that brand. And I remember John introduced me to the board, and he's like, "This is Michael. He's going to retire here." 
I was like, wow, like that is like a cool, cool, but also scary. Like I'm, I'm at the time I was 30 years old okay. and I'm like, man, so I'm just going to be here for like 30 more years. Um, and I just always have loved everything. So, you know, I had gotten connected through just some random happenstance with this, um, motorsports engineering group that was developing a car with one of the f- head finance execs at Apple who loved Porsches and we were doing this super custom Porsche 356 for him. Uh, that project ended up falling through just as soon as we got to like uh, A-class surfacing. But then they connected with the guys at Icon and they were doing engineering all the chassis and mechanicals for Icon. Um, and Jonathan, who's the founder at Icon, Jonathan Ward, was like, he's a huge watch nerd. And they're like, hey, we got this customer and like, he wants the gauges to look like a Bell and Ross watch, and we don't know what the fuck that is. We're engineers, and they're like, "Oh, I could just, I just let, let me you know what this one's free, guys. Let me knock this out for you, a twenty minute sketch." And they're like, they're "Like Jonathan wants to meet you. He needs to work on like every project now for him." So I'm like, "Okay, cool." So I have this beginning of this little freelance business. Okay. Um, and I, I mean, I told John Hoke, my boss at Nike, I'm like, "Hey, I got this company. They want to work with me," and he's like. I'm like, can I do it? He's like, God, no. He's like, technically, no. He's like, but I know that if I tell you no, you're just going to do it. So I'm going to tell you yes and just keep telling me so that I can like be aware of what you're doing. Right, right. <laughs> um, and you're doing this in the nights and the weekends? Yeah, okay. yeah, totally. Just like a Saturday here, right, whatever. Right. Um, and then I also was really you know, controlling your definition of yourself, I think is the most important thing you can do as a designer. So when I first started working at Nike, I remember I got my business cards and my first boss was like, here's your, your business cards, Michael. It's like a proud moment. Right. And I opened up the box and I was like, you know, Michael DiTullo. And I was like, oh, footwear designer. I'm like, oh no, I can't say that. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm not a footwear designer. I'm a designer at a company that makes shoes. Yeah. Uh, so I actually had them shred them and reprint my cards that say just designer. Right, right. Because <laughs> um, that's in, to control that definition. Oh, for sure, yeah. So, I, and I, I was always really interested in CE as well as transportation as well as shoes. So I started doing all these just conceptual um, smartphone projects. This is like pre-iPhone 1. Um, I actually did a phone called the One uh, that would like, I was just like a... Uh, uh, convergence concept where it would be the only cpu you would have and then it would just live stream to like a screen and that was before all this tech happened but um it was just be like oh you just need that one processor Mm -hmm. um and it would be like the screen in your car and and then i would just you know i would like do really nice photoshop renderings and some quick you know ui key screens and then just like email it to like you know editor at gizmodo and they start publishing them because their blogs need content right right yeah uh and so i think four or five um, smartphone concepts got published by different blogs. Um, and these were just sketches, right? Or how? It's a, yeah, it wouldn't be CAD. It, okay. Sometimes it would be sketches. Sometimes it would be like really nice uh, Photoshop Illustrator okay. renders. You know, I could do those in a way that almost looked like CAD. Right. Uh, I mean, honestly, they'd be the easiest things to CAD. Yeah. A lot, usually a lot of unconventional materiality. Mm-hmm. I did this digital wallet concept that ended up in like mobile PC magazine in the print mag, which was cool. I mean, cool for me, not not that the thing was cool. Um, so, uh, and then I think having, being a director at Nike, I was getting recruiters calling me all the time. And so um, at the time, I had just completed kind of two years at Converse Boston as design director. And if you're kind of like doing pretty good at Nike, they move you around like every couple years. And so John was like, hey, it's time for you to come back to, mothership you know we're thinking maybe you should be design director of jordan maybe design director of basketball and i was like yeah that's cool like but this is a big deal though right like yeah yeah well yeah it was a big deal i i of course being my cynic you know i was like i know john like i know i could do a good job at those jobs like do you have a job where you're like boy michael could really fuck this up like, what's a job that you think is too hard for me? Oh, I want that job. Okay. I want the job because I was, I was at that point, I'd been doing shoes for eight years. Yeah. You want something challenging. And I was like, I'm starting to feel a little comfortable. And I looked back at my portfolio and I'd say, like, the shoes I was the most proud of, 
I had probably done in my first two to three years hmm. because I just didn't know the rules. That's so yeah. I was like, oh, look at these women running for the train in their heels. We should make a shoe that folds up and fits in their purse. And and the engineers would be like, this kid is fucking nuts, but did, let's did do you, it. Did you do it? Yeah, I went to production. It was on the cover of Metropolis magazine. I was like, I don't know. Cool. That's cool. I was yeah. like, that's what you're supposed to do, right? <laughs> and But then by the time you do it for eight years, you're like, oh, you can't do that because there's not enough arch support and blah, blah, oh, blah. Right, and like, right. Um, and so you find yourself self-selecting, uh, your self-eliminating concepts based on what you know to be true, even though it's not the truth. So a recruiter called me um, who is one of the best recruiters and he's one of these guys that uh i won't say his name because he's one of these guys that keeps a very low profile and you only know him if you're at got he, it. he finds you okay right <laughs> um but he had been calling me for like five years for like various different jobs and finally i was like tom you know don't call me unless you can get me like a job uh interview as like creative director of frog design he's like okay i'll get that and two weeks later, he's like, can get you on a plane? and got you an interview as creative two director weeks. of frog design. <laughs> I was like, okay. So, and uh, I went in there and I showed I had all like, you know, like the blog concepts. And uh, of course, I had a lot of shoot prototypes. I didn't bring actually a portfolio. I just brought stuff that I had made. That's fun. Um, to bring the actual physical thing. Yeah, yeah, like a whole table full of yeah. them. And then for the blog concepts, I just had some printouts, but um, no screen. I don't, I don't like I don't like presentations. I like conversations. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, I interviewed uh, with the team. And uh, I remember one of the other creative directors walks in and he's like, ugh, a shoe guy. And I was like, nope, not a shoe guy. I'm a designer uh, that works at a shoe company. So they make shoes. Uh, that shoe company happens to be one of the most recognizable brands in the fucking world. Right. And making industry leading products in that category. So if that's not something Frog's in, let me know. I'll put all this shit back in my bag, and we can just save each other the time right now. Yes, this interview's I over. I love that. And the guy was like, well, now I'm super interested. Right. Um, and I was like, all right, pick a shoe. I'll tell you the story. Um, and so that's how, you know, the turned out to be like a whole-day interview. One of the other, the guy that had brought me in, who was the executive creative director, is like, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm distracted with my email. He's like, I'm just getting emails about you all day, so you're going to leave here with it with an offer. Wow, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, I was terrified. I was so scared to leave Nike. You know, I had at this company that I really love. It's a big change too. Yeah, it's a brand I love. Working for people that appreciate me um, and understand me, right? Who are like they understand that I'm this kind of uh, happy, creative troublemaker, right? Um, and I got you know John, the head of design at Nike, his advice and and. He, he helped make it easy for me and make the transition. Okay. Well, that's good. And then were there any interesting, like what was like one of the favorite products that you worked on at, at Frog? You and know, you were overseeing a yeah. bit more at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think as one of my mentors at Frog told me, who is now passed away, uh, Paul Bradley, who's an amazing designer. He was a creative director at IDEO for like 20 years before becoming executive creative director um, at Frog. He was actually at IDEO before it was IDEO when it was three firms that merged. Oh, wow. Okay. So like, I mean, the stories this guy had of Silicon Valley from... Oh, man, with from, like Steve Jobs and... Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Turned down the head of design at Apple job, job uh, before Steve came back and it was like, oh, boy. <laughs> Wow. Anyway, okay. uh, oops. Uh, so, any anyway, great stories, but he always, you know, describes it because he knew, like, like me, he was very hands-on, and he was like, you know, you have to find ways to design through people to help them see the solution that you want them to see, and for them to be excited about it. And um, and I, I was running a lot of big programs. We were doing, I was doing a lot of projects for Intel, P and G, Honda. Um, Chinese car company called Koros on their launch vehicle, mm. uh, which was a multi-studio project. So like Frog Shanghai was working on all the UI. Frog New York was working on the branding. And Frog SF, my team, did the interior design of the car. And then Italo Design in Italy did the exterior design of the car. Oh, wow. Interesting. Really cool. Okay. Um, so that was a fun program. Um, so 
going to China a lot, uh, going to, was doing a lot of work with the Seattle office as well. Um, it was good. I mean, did tons of mobile phones. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I felt like, um, I felt like I was adding some really good value there because not a lot of people that worked there at the time had come from a corporate background. So I was really helpful okay. in helping them to be a little more empathetic yeah. with our clients. You can see like, both sides. Yeah, because sometimes like we would write in our contract, like, oh, okay, we'll have a phase one review and like must give feedback within 24 hours. And I'm like, he can't do that. Like, why? It's in the contract. I'm like, yeah, but he's got to show his boss. And his boss is going to have to show his peers. It's like, it's going to be like, it's going to take time. There's going to be political things. Maybe we can help him with that. Um, right. Maybe we can be in that room. Right, right, right. But we have to know that, like, that person probably just can't have the sole ownership of that. Um, so anyway, uh, and one of our bigger clients in terms of uh, ID client was, was Sound, what would become Sound United. It was um, a company called DEI Holdings, and I renamed it when I joined but they okay. uh, recruited me to be chief design officer so this was okay so you left frog and then you went to sound united mm -hmm. before we get to that yeah. michael i think i mean we we yeah we've talked a lot about your story sorry no, yeah we're no, just like no this is this is the whole reason we're here no these are yeah. wonderful insights i think this should be a two-parter okay so let's take a quick break um actually let's uh yeah let's be continued yeah let's take a quick break um and for those of you listening right now you can I'll just we can plug some of your work. I mean, sure. Uh, you currently released a book. Where can people find that? Uh, on Amazon.com, small small distribution platform. Okay. Um, we'll talk about the book in length on the next episode. But uh, you can also follow Michael on Instagram at at dtulo, d number two l o four characters. It's the most beautiful screen name I've ever seen. Dtulo, um, and of course I'm at Nick P Baker, and we'll be back soon. All right. Take care, guys. Peace.